I'm a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? I am a loser, baby, so why don't you kill me? Welcome to the most depressed version of Boys Will Be Boys. I think I'm still someone named Andy Gatelli, but I feel like I've lost myself. With me, as always, is Ben Walker. Ben, how are you holding up, buddy? Oh man, I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. You know, it's it's like uh, you know, you just want to get into uh, your bed, turn off all the lights, and just kind of cry away the pain, like you always do after a terrible Cowboys loss that uh, I thought was behind us. Scope, I really did. You know, I tell people this all the time, and I think that this mostly comes up when um, every time. It seems like every time I meet a woman who's going to play a significant role in my life, I meet them during the spring when the Cowboys are not in season and they get to know this one version of me. And then when fall comes around, I become this crazy, insane Cowboys fan that they have to deal with. And they always ask me like, you know, why, why do you love this team? Why do you do this to yourself? And I always say the Cowboys are like a woman who cheats on you every Christmas and then every summer, you're like, oh, it'll be different this time. She's going to treat me right. She's not going to hurt me again. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's fever pitch. You know, there's, there's spring and summer, Ben. You know, he's, he's full of hope. He's a nice young lad, uh, you know, uh, enjoyable to be around. And then there's, there's fall, Ben, and winter, Ben. And he's, he's, uh, he's manically depressed or incredibly happy depending on any given day. And it's, it's, it's really tough to explain that to the, the average person out there. Goat summer of hope, winter of despair, my man. So let's get right into it. Y'all anyone who listens to this podcast, you probably watched Dallas Cowboys or at least you saw the group of imposters who ran out onto the field wearing Dallas Cowboy uniforms on Sunday. Um, if you were Just lucky, your, uh, your significant other somehow dragged you away from the game and you were going to yeah. check on it later. And uh, if uh, you haven't done that, just don't. You know, just yeah, not worth look, watching. Not look worth at the watching. score and just chalk that up as an L and, and just save yourself the, the torture. So boys fall 27-7. Um, you know, going into this game, there were doubts, right? Ezekiel Elliott is, is lost for at least four games, probably six games. Um, he's watching from the couch somewhere and then we get another bang right before kickoff. Pretty much that morning we find out that Tyron Smith, uh, in what Walkstradamus has warned us is a serious issue that we need to be looking out for. Uh, the groin and back finally catch up with Tyrannosaurus. Um, he is not active for the game. So, uh, the now infamous Chaz green will be starting at left tackle, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Which, and which boy, if there was ever a deciding thing that ever happened in any football game, that right there, Tyrone Smith being out, um, he's basically worth every penny and then double that, maybe even triple that after watching what happened on the field this Sunday. And, and it's a little shocking because we have played games without Tyron before, and we have played games without Tyron and with Chaz Green at tackle. 
but we have never played a game without Chaz, without Tyron Smith, with Chaz Green at tackle, and without Zeke. And I think that no. Zeke's ability to cover up some of the mistakes of this offense was laid bare for the universe to see this time around. And boy, was it ugly. So let's let's get right into it. Um, you know, we're playing in Atlanta. We're playing in the shiny new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, Falcons, have, losers of four of their last five. Um, you know, their backs are against the wall. And the Cowboys get the ball first. Um, struggled a little bit coming out of the gate. I don't think those that was super shocking. Uh, Alfred Morris couldn't really find room. Um, and so we, you know, we, we keep, we move the ball a little bit. We get a couple first downs, but ultimately, um, we're forced to punt. Um, so as expected, the Dallas Cowboys defense, uh, has to come out immediately and kind of make an impact. And to their credit, these guys came out hot. Um, second play of the game, first play of the game, they, they stopped Devonte Freeman for a one yard, uh, gain. Uh, and then Freeman goes for a two-yard gain and gets hit by Anthony Hitchens so hard that he gets a concussion. He's done for the day. So right away, you're like, cool. One weapon off the field. Yeah, and um, Freeman's a, he's a terrific player. You know, I mentioned player. last time he's the highest-paid running back in the league. I'm not saying he's the best running back in the league, but to get paid at the best at your position, no you pretty damn good. And, uh, you know, him leaving was certainly a, certainly a, a – a, missing piece for them. I don't know if it's significant as us losing Zeke, but it's definitely a, a big weapon off the field, and he was gone after play number two. Absolutely. So third and seven on their own 13-yard line. Uh, Matt Ryan tries to throw to Muhammad Sanu. It gets popped up in the air by Anthony Brown, and Xavier Woods, the man, X, comes away with his first career interception, um, returns it for seven yards. We're on the 14. Uh, or no, we're at the 21, sorry. Um, and and you're like awesome. Cowboys generating turnovers is what we're gonna have. I like to do. the kid, man. I like that kid a lot. Hey, you called it early. Yeah, you called it early. He's a, he's um, a playmaker in college, and that was a that wasn't an easy pick. I mean, the ball was popped in the air, but it was nice to see him uh, lay out for that, keep the ball off the turf. That was uh, absolutely that was nice. We've seen guys drop catches like that. So, Cowboys took over at the twenty-one. Um, try a quick little fade to Dez. Doesn't work. Uh, Morris goes for three yards. Dak runs a little screen pass to Rod Smith, uh, who gets the first down. Um, and then on the next play, Dak runs the classic uh, read option, goes for 11 yards into the end zone, 7 nothing Cowboys. Uh, so far, so good. Couldn't ask much more from this team than to score and get a turnover. Um, excellent, excellent so far. Um, so this is where the troubles began. Um, so we, you know, on the next drive – um, the Falcons are able to start moving the ball a little more. They're adjusting to not having uh, Devontae Freeman. They start using Tevin Coleman, but we're, we're handling it pretty well. Um, the linebackers are playing well. Um, people seem to be you know, doing their jobs, hitting their assignments, and we are able to stop them right as they cross uh, the midfield line. We force Matt Bryant to kick a 50-yard field goal, which he makes. Um, you know, Obviously, giving up points not great, but if all this guy's going to get is a 50-yard field goal, uh, we'll, of course, take that. Um, now, Cowboys come back on the field and, again, just cannot seem to get anything going. And this was actually – I should have – I misspoke. This is actually where the, the, the trouble really began. Um, from the outset, like we mentioned at the beginning, uh, Chaz Green did not look prepared to play this game. 
Now, I don't know if that's because he's not a good player or that he didn't have time to prep given that they didn't know that Tyron was going to be out um, or what the situation was. Um, but on third and eight, a crucial third and eight at the Atlanta 37-yard line, um, we had moved the ball from our own 31 all the way to the Atlanta 37. Uh, and on third and eight, Dak takes a pretty bad sack from Adrian Claiborne. Um, now get used to hearing that name because Adrian Claiborne. Say, that's not the last time you'll hear Adrian yeah. Claiborne, and that's not the last time you'll hear Chaz Green. Um, and you'll be forgiven. Up with. You'll be forgiven if that is the first time that you've heard of Adrian Claiborne because this is not an elite pass rusher. In fact, Adrian Claiborne was in line to get a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus this year if he was capable of getting eight sacks on the season. He came into this game with six. Two. He came into the game with two total. Right. And got six, yes. Mm-hmm. Six sacks from one player. That's a franchise record for the, the Falcons. Now, obviously, this is a little bit difficult to impart via podcast because it's audio only. These are not sacks where he's pulling crazy swim moves. He's not... Uh, just out motoring a guy. He's not, Dak's not holding the ball for too long. If you go back and you watch the highlights of this, this is Adrian Claiborne literally just running around Chaz Green. He can't move his feet fast enough to keep this guy from running a straight up L pattern. Like he just runs two yards past Green and then turns and runs two yards in and hits Dak blindsided with no block whatsoever. He doesn't even touch him. Yeah, he's not. This isn't Dwight Freeney or Javon Cursor. Man, I, I don't know who Cowboy fans are. This is not Demarcus Ware. Hell, this isn't even Vic Beasley, who was the league leader in sacks last year for the Falcons. This is Adrian Claiborne, um, a guy who has one move that worked so effectively, you have to question why we couldn't ever scheme to stop it at any point in the game. Adrian Claiborne, Andy for stats. Came into this game, 73 career games played, 22 and a half sacks to his name. Wow. So he was basically... A good five, six years in the league. Yeah, and he was basically getting one sack every three games. And he compiled six, which is roughly now 25% of his career sack total in one football game. So the Cowboys take the sack. It's fourth and eight. Knowing that our offense has not been able to move the ball that well so far, and we might not see another view of the 37-yard line anytime soon, call a fake. Chris Jones, all the credit in the world, throws a very nice pass, a 16-yard pass to Bryce Butler. Dallas has called for offensive pass interference, which was, in my mind, Quite questionable. I will give <laughs> I will give the, the cornerback credit. The dive was expertly executed. He got touched and he knew he was giving up the catch, so he fell down. It was plain as day, but if the refs are gonna give it to you, of course you're gonna take it. I will remind you, Mr. Walker, that it has now been twenty-five quarters since the Dallas Cowboys have been the recipients of a positive holding penalty in their favor. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, 
in that same stretch, they've been called for 19 holding penalties. Yeah, that's a it's a disturbing trend, especially when you think of how dominant our offensive line is when Tyron's and Smith how dominant our course, defensive line is playing and how good of a season that Irving and Lawrence are having. It's odd. I don't I don't buy too much more into it other than it's a disturbing trend that I eventually believe will regress back to the mean. I hope but so. It, I will say credit to every offensive line that we have played that playing against a, a defensive line that has put up 30 sacks that they have managed to never hold them once. That is an incredible accomplishment that should be, they should probably have a trophy for that because it's amazing. Truly incredible. Yeah. I want to comment on something on this drive that bothered me. So this fourth and eight comes from Atlanta's 37 yard line. Uh, you know, on a few weeks back, we talked about Mike Nugent replacing one Dan Bailey, and no one can replace Dan Bailey. He's the most accurate field goal kicker of all time, our Lord and Savior. We love you, Dan Bailey. Please come back soon. But uh, I said at one point we would eventually miss him. We hadn't yet. We missed him today. Um, that fourth and eight was from the 37, I think, in NFL terms, that would have equated to about a 54-yard field goal go, 53. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And Dan Bailey in a dome can hit a 53-yard field goal in his sleep. Yep. Now, I know we went for the fake punt and almost had it, but you just you aren't even having to make that call if Dan Bailey's on the field. Agreed. Agreed. And at that point, it's, you know, 10-3. Totally different ball game. So we are forced to punt. Um, it's downed at the two-yard line by Xavier Woods. Very good punt coverage. Xavier had a hell of a game so far. Um, and the Falcons go to work. Um, on third and two, uh, they convert, which would be the beginning of another disturbing trend, which would be them converting on third down. Um, we get a defensive holding penalty uh, on Damian Wilson. Um, we've continued, we continue to kind of shut down the, uh, the run game. Uh, and luckily this time around on third and eight, um, Demarcus Lawrence comes away with a huge sack. Uh, there goes that man, Matt Ryan loses 11 yards and they're forced to punt. This next drive was, was where things got really, really ugly. By the way, Ryan Switzer, an 11 yard return on that one goat. Any comments on that one? You know, um, I think that's got to be one of the highlights of his career so far. He managed to not only not fuck it up, which is 80% of the game when you're Ryan Switzer. He also, this game, Goat, on one of the kick returns earlier, returned it past the 30 for the first time in his I career. Did see huh? that. I was I was very happy with that. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact that I'm holding this guy to this standard is a little sad, but it is what it is. Um, so the Cowboys get the ball uh, on, and because of the... Um, you know we're on our we're on the de- we're on our our own forty eight. Um, was it we, two minutes left at this point? No, that was fifty nine. Yeah, minute fifty nine. No, that's uh, sorry. That's how much we ran off. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Got you. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, we run uh, a running play with Rod Smith. He gets five yards, holding on Jonathan Cooper. Again, just shooting ourselves in the foot. So first and 20, uh, Dak tries to throw to Dez and complete. Dak then completes one to Dez, 
uh, for 11 yards, and then it's third and nine, and Dak is again sacked by Don Terry Poe for minus seven. So all yeah, told, this one sucked. This one, uh, to be fair to Mr. Green, was not on him. Um, all world right guard Zach Martin got immediately beat off the line. Didn't happen much. I don't. I don't blame too much, but just a disturbing. Tr- not what you want to see when you have sure. one of your stars well, and, out. And Don Terry Poe's a good player, right? This yeah, is Don not, Terry Poe's a, a this great player. This isn't Claiborne beating him. So I, I give you know if Don Terry Poe gets you once during a game, it's understandable. Um, so all told, the Cowboys run three plays in two minutes for negative six yards, um, and they punt. Uh, the following drive became pretty terrible. Um, you know, it started out with a, a wide receiver sweep that went for 15 yards. Um, and then they actually took a penalty on an illegal formation play. And so we were excited about that. We second and 10 at their own 35. And then Tevin Coleman goes 19 yards, which wouldn't have been too terrible until Jeff Heath decided to face mask him at the end of it. So it takes a 19-yarder and turns it into a 34-yard run. Well, I know he has moments, and he had a nice pick last week against Alex Smith, but I just can't stand seeing him on the field, man. I agree. I really can't wait for the day that either X overtakes him or we draft somebody or whatever because he's just not meant to play more than special teams. Maybe 10 snaps here and there in special packages, but – He's a special team tackler. He can lay the wood, but he gets exposed a lot, especially to more athletic players than him, which is and a long people list. People to these plays that he makes. Those are not plays that anyone else can't make. There's never a play where you're like, only Jeff Heath could have <laughs> made this incredible play. Um, so they, they move the ball down the field pretty easily, to be honest with you. Matt Ryan is kind of picking us apart. Uh, he gets a, you know several third-down conversions. Um we get to second and eight at the Dallas 11 and knock the ball down. Should be third and eight. Um, but Anthony Brown gets a DPI and they're now on the Dallas two with first and goal. Um, we stop that. We stop Tevin Coleman at the one. We take a timeout at a minute 34 to go. And then Tevin Coleman uh, punches it in. And so now they've got, you know, a, it is now 10 to seven. Um, so the Cowboys need to come out and respond. Yeah, and- it's worth noting at this point, Goat, and I, I didn't see it in the, the log scripts either. Um, I'm about 90% sure Sean Lee has checked out of the game at this point. Yeah, which, that is. Yeah, I was waiting to see that in the play-by-play, but that is something yeah, I didn't, that cannot I didn't be understated. Um, so Sean Lee, with him on the field, we only gave up three. We've documented before just how important Sean Lee is. I think you gave us that stat, Goat. We give up like... 60-something more yards on average to the run when Sean Lee is not in the game, which is disturbing. Sean Lee's a very, very good more player. Points. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, there's no doubt the impact he has. I I struggle, Andy, and I, I know we'll touch on this on our, our post-game kind of uh, review, but I struggle to understand how this defense just completely falls apart when he's not on the field. Just can't get anyone off on third down, get stretched. Anyone who attacks us horizontally has great success. It's just maddening that we have two elite pass rushers, a decent secondary, and the linebackers are so awful without Lee 
that we we can't get anyone off the field. Agreed. Um, you know, like Ben said, it can't be it cannot be overstated how valuable Sean Lee is to this defense. And obviously, losing a, an elite player will hurt any defense. Um, but this becomes a completely different team without Sean Lee on it. Um, with Sean Lee on the field, this team gives up about 80 yards rushing a game. They give up about 16 points a game. Um, those are top half of the league numbers. On the field, they give up 130 yards rushing. They give up 30 points a game. Um, those are bottom five numbers in the league. So it is just maddening to watch him not play. He, he hurt his hamstring. Um, there's now word that he's not going to be able to play against Philly um, and probably not against L.A. Yeah, uh, I heard Thursday. Confirmed at least two weeks. And I don't – hamstrings are bad, man. They're – like I was saying about Tyrone, when you get when you get hammies involved, it's not a hey, this guy will be back in exactly fifteen days, better than ever. It's it's a monitor, and Sean Lee has definitely had hamstrings. Hell, we all lived through Miles Austin, so I think we remember the old hamstring pull. Absolutely, and not only that, but we're about to play a team who almost specializes in. Backs catching the ball out of the backfield over the middle, the tight end doing a lot of work. Um, the things that Sean Lee traditionally does a good job helping you with. I mean, they got Jay Ajayi now, um, who's going to be fully broken into the playbook now that he's had a whole bye week, two full weeks without a game to really let it sink in. Um, it could get really ugly out there. So Sean Lee is checked out at this point. Um, minute we have, you know, we're we're down to um, a minute and a half to go. And the Cowboys need to respond. Um, we come out and we sh- we start running the two minute drill, and no one can get open. Dak is effectively playing the game by himself. Um, he scrambles left for twelve yards. He scrambles left for two yards. He scrambles right for ten yards. Uh, he hits Witten for a short pass. He hits Beasley for a ten yard pass that would have taken us to the Atlanta thirty five yard line. Now that puts you in scoring position. And on that play, on the backside, Chaz Green gets a holding penalty. Yeah, and he got beat so bad there that it wasn't even like he got a hold that protected Dak. Dak got the ball out despite still getting pressured, and Chaz Green got a hold. He still hit Dak on that play, if I recall. It's atrocious. So, second and 14, uh, Dak hits Williams for nine yards. And then Witten for seven yards, who gets out of bounds. Um, we're now down to 15 seconds left. We're on the 39-yard line. So we've got 15 seconds to, to score this, this ball. Um, Dak snaps the ball in the shotgun. And Chaz Green gets beat so bad that he is actually standing with his back to Dak with Claiborne between Chaz and Dak Prescott. Um, Which was, I believe at the time, is that his fourth sack of the game, or is that their fourth sack total? Fourth sack total. It's Claiborne's his third sack. Third of the game. Sack. Um, I will say that on this play, go watch the replay. I'm not being a homer here. Um, Claiborne first went helmet to helmet on Dak on the blind side and then grabbed his face mask on the way down. I um, do think he got his head hit there. And we have been called for much less. Uh, I saw a side-by-side comparison between when we got called for roughing the passer uh, 
or you know an illegal hit on Aaron Rodgers where there is a barely a glance on the helmet and Claiborne runs up Dak is standing tall Claiborne actually jumps and puts his helmet into the into Dak's ear like it's he was aiming for this guy's head and I know we can't tell the defense to slow down and if the ref's going to let you do it why wouldn't you do it so I will just say this Rogers is such a douche that he complains to refs, I'm sure, daily. Of and Dak and doesn't. Dak is call. I've never seen Dak ask for a call in his short career. But so there we go. Dak gets hit. He fumbles the ball. And that's the half. Um because he gets hit so hard. Um fumbles the ball and uh Atlanta runs one play to trying to get the ball to Julio Jones. Um and the clock runs out. So we go into the half, it's seven to ten. Things have not gone swimmingly for the Cowboys, but we are in this game. Um, now, key thing here, Ben, is you'd think that given the trouble that Chaz Green had had, that this halftime has to be about the adjustments that are going to be made to ensure that this does not continue to happen because no quarterback can be expected to operate from his back the entire game. So we should see in the next offensive possession, what the Cowboys are capable of. Um, Do, you can move, hey, you got a world-class tight end who's good at blocking. You can move him over there. You can come out in a heavy set, which they did and we'll get to. Yeah. Um, You can run the ball a little more. At this point, I think Alfred Morris had six carries for eight yards in the first half. I would yeah, be pulling my hair out so if Zeke had only six carries. I don't care about yards at this point. Just carries would have driven me nuts. Exactly. So, and you can run, you know, run pass option at the line and give Dak kind of the call to, you know, a little play action and throw over an aggressive DN. Basically things that people do against us all the time when we had DeMarcus Ware, and I'm sure with, you know, uh, DeMarcus Lawrence as well. There are a lot of ways you can combat a offensive lineman or defensive lineman who's really only doing one move as we said go he's just kind of running past your d line or offensive lineman like you're playing madden on rookie yep absolutely so um second half starts uh atlanta gets the ball um first play from scrimmage tevin coleman gets 17 yards then matt ryan hits julio jones for 24 um and they just cont- kind of continue to slowly edge us down. Um, he hits Gabriel for 10 yards. They run a four-yard run. Um, we do manage to stop Coleman once, but then he hits Gabriel again for 14. They're now at the six. We stuff uh, Jalen Smith hits um, Tevin Coleman in the backfield for a one-yard loss. Um, then Matt Ryan finds Julio Jones for four yards, and then uh, – we, you know, they hit a, uh, they hit a, a short touchdown pass, and they are suddenly up seventeen to seven. So yeah, back to back games now where we've come out of the half and given up a touchdown right away. Um, I don't like that trend at all. Both cases put us down um, against the Chiefs. I think it put us down seventeen thirteen, maybe. Yep. Or is that seventeen? No, seventeen fourteen. But either way. Um, both times the play made a, a, a deficit, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know we're without Sean Lee, but without Sean Lee, this defense just can't get off the field. It was an 11 well, I play. think it just shows you that the other team is adjusting. 
they went into the locker room and they drew up some stuff for this first drive, and it worked stupendously. So now we get to see what the Cowboys have decided to do. And initially, I like where they go with it. Um, Alfred Morris, 14-yard run right off the bat. Looks great. Alfred Morris, then a 20-yard run. We're now on the Atlanta 36. Two plays. We're on the Atlanta 36. And Morris I want to say something th- a little bit, Goat, as you go yeah, through please. So these runs, um, by far, are most successful um, drive of the evening, even regardless of how it happened, but just yardage-wise and rushing-wise. And uh, as I said, we came out to our offensive coordinator's credit, at least at this point, we came out in a heavy set. What that means is we brought additional tight ends. So instead of coming out with three wide like we like to do so much where Cole, uh, Terrence, and Dez are on the field, we came out with one receiver on the field and Swaim, Hannah, and Witten all in. So basically, you have another tight end on the other side of green, and we basically just said we're going to play some bully ball. Absolutely. And it worked to perfection. Like I said, 14 yards, 20 yards. Um, Morris hits a two-yard run. Then Dak hits a short pass to Beasley for six. Uh, Dak scrambles for five yards, which gets us a first down. We're at the 23. Um, We hand the ball off to Morris again. He gets 11 yards. Um, Then on first and 10 at the 12, Chaz Green gets beat again. And Adrian Claiborne gets his fourth sack. This play, more than any other, to me, was the deciding factor in this game. Um, this you know, drive I always like general. to note. Yeah, absolutely. I always, you know, try to try to note that where I think you know things turn. You know, like the Switzer fumble, right, in the Rams. Um, you know that Tyree Kill play could have been it, but basically, uh, it. it this moment, as I said, we've come out in the heavy set. We've shown great success. We're finally running the ball or a run first team. And now we line up a three wide. The running back, I can't remember if it was uh, Rod Smith or Alfred Morris at this time, is to Dax right. And we have no tight end, no one over there protecting Chaz Green. And he gets hit. I just don't understand at that point when you're having so much success, why you decide to tinker with the blueprint. Agreed. And then on top of that, then the adjustment made is incorrect as well. So you've run this heavy set. You've run the ball. It's been effective. You call a pass play from the 12. You get Dak sacked. On second and 17 from the 19-yard line, you run a delayed handoff. Not minus two yards. I hate draws so very much with this team. Agreed. I don't even like when we run them with Zeke. You know, it used to be in the Romo era. I actually thought we were pretty good at draw. Um, you know, we, we did it pretty effectively for a long time. Uh, we just don't anymore. And that was Alfred Morris is not the back. You really want to do that. He's kind of more of a plotter. Um, I don't mean anything bad by that. He's just not a speedster. And I don't know, I just always feel like on a draw play, you want somebody who's going to be able to kind of hit that hole and go. And that didn't happen. We lose two yards, like Andy says, and now we're at a 30-19. And as I've repeatedly said, we are not built. I mean, very few teams, but we are not built for third and longs. Absolutely. So we are now sitting at third and 19, and we run a screen play. (laughs) The most predictable thing. One yard. It is now 4th and 18. We're at the 20. So we're sitting here. We're down 17-7. to seven. 
okay, at least we'll get the field goal. We'll be down by a score. Mike Nugent bangs one off of the upright. Ben, for, here's, here's your piece of trivia today. Mm-hmm. When is the last time that the Cowboys missed a kick from inside the 30? I'm going to say Dan Bailey, I don't believe, has ever missed a field goal from inside of 40 yards. So it would have to be before Dan Bailey, so I'm going to say like 2009. It is week three of 2013. Okay. And since then, we are 63 of 63 from inside the 30-yard line. Now, there was a lot of, and we said it a lot, we said we were missing three of our best players. We're missing Sean Lee, we're missing Tyron Smith, we're missing Sean Lee. But we were also missing Dan Bailey. So we were missing four of our best players. And boy, do we miss Dan. Because I, you know, and I texted you the second that this happened and said that is going to break the team. Yeah, that was, that was the drive. You know, we gave up a touchdown. We get conservative. I really don't like that first down call. But, hey, I guess I get what the coaches are doing at this point. Let's just try and get out of here at the field goal to make it a one-score game. And you can't – I mean, if your kicker misses, your kicker misses. Yeah, I don't know what yep. to tell you. And then they – so they get the ball back. Um, defense comes out initially, stays pretty nice. It's third and five on their 33-yard line. And Matt Ryan hits a big 34-yard pass. Um, that was kind of all she wrote. They end up scoring very quickly, three minutes and 41 seconds, 72-yard drive on seven plays, 24-7. Um, we go out there the next drive. We've got 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we run exactly one running play. It's Darren McFadden gets his first carry of the season. I'm like a fucking pitch play, dude. Yeah, gets negative two yards. Um, great job, Darren. For all of you out there who told us over and over again that we were saving Darren, that he was going to be fresh, that he was much better than Alfred Morris, um, please – Join Darren McFadden in going to the bench and never talking about this team again. You McFadden truthers can completely, completely sell your stock at this point. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a bum. He's getting out snapped by Rod Smith at this point. So, not that I reason. He's bad. Anyone would have been successful on that play. I didn't like it at all. I mean, we, like I said, we weren't even running heavy set. We just tried this little toss to the outside and. And McFadden's not fast anymore. Anyway, bad play call. Like Andy says, we get behind second and 12, incomplete T-Dub, who was very hobbled and basically invisible. I don't know if he was even hobbled, Andy, but pretty invisible today. Absolutely. Um, And then third and 12, guess who it is? Oh, is it uh, Adrian Claiborne running right by Chaz Green and blowing Dak up for his fifth sack? You would be correct, sir. Third and 12, another sack. Made Adrian Adrian Claiborne has now tied at this point. He's tied the Falcons' record for sacks. He's having a career high. I mean, he's yeah. already, you know, had a, a terrific day. We've basically put him halfway to the Pro Bowl at this point. Yep. Um, Cowboys defense comes out. We managed to hold them uh, on our ten on our eleven yard line. We managed to stop them. Um, they kick a field goal. It's now twenty seven seven. And then on the next drive. Um, we pretty much completely abandoned the run, which you kind of have to do at this point. 
Um, you got eight minutes left, and you're down by 20 points. Um, so Dak goes out there. You know, he he completes some passes. He moves us from our own 17 all the way down to the Atlanta 20. Um, and on uh, fourth and six at the 20 yard line, um, not only do they let up a terrible sack that loses 11 yards, but Byron Bell, who came in to replace the terrible Chaz Green, gives up a sack. And I got to say, it's almost as bad. Like, it's almost as bad as the play of Chaz Green. I think I'd be really tough to call who was worse, Byron Bell or Chaz Green. Um, he gets He gives up a sack and holds somebody. So he manages to hold a guy that still sacks our quarterback, which is really pathetic. Yeah, there's a play where Troy kind of comments that this is the worst he's ever seen anybody get beat in a professional football game. And yep. while we're all victims to the present as far as um, recency bias, I have a real tough time going through the archives and finding any DN having more success against any singular O-lineman. And that's, what, that's what's maddening about this game, Andy. I mean, we, we, can, we can go through you know, the rest. Um, I was going to mention one play. more play. Okay, um, go for it. The Atlanta on the next drive, all they do is run the ball out. They're just trying to kill time. Um, we take all our timeouts. Um, we take we get the ball back with three minutes and forty two seconds. Why is Jason? It's twenty seven seven, and Jason's burning timeouts when your quarterback has been sacked seven times at this point, has been hurried an additional, I think, eight, and you're going to go out there and just offer him up more punishment. I mean. I kind of get the mantra you're trying to fight towards the end, but at the same time, Andy, no, everyone knew this game was done. And if you're yeah. a head coach, if you're a head coach at this point, hits. Yeah. you know oh. that this game is over. And I just – I don't know what Jason was really thinking there. That that was puzzling to me. So they punt. Dak takes the ball at the 27-yard line. He hits one pass to Jason Witten for eight yards. On the next play from shotgun, <laughs> Byron Bell – Let's guess fucking who Adrian Claiborne by again, who blows Dak up for an eight yard loss and forces a fumble, which is recovered by Atlanta, uh, who then runs a couple plays to kill the rest of the clock. Uh, we get the ball back with 56 seconds to go and we run two running plays with Rod Smith and the game ends 27 to seven. Um, one of the most embarrassing losses I've seen as a Cowboy fan. And I cannot think of a single player that I am more embarrassed to have ever seen wear the star than Chaz Green. And I question what this coaching staff is doing by allowing that guy to get on the team plane and remain with the organization. You cannot make a case to me that there is no one in the wide world of free agency that can do can't do better than that. The yeah, I I hear what you're saying, and I felt the same way about Alex Barron, and I think we did cut him at the time. Yep. Um the only, the only reason I think we're doing it this time is because we're really worried about Tyrone's health moving forward and we just don't have the depth to fire a guy. I know he just had probably the worst game in Dallas Cowboys history. I mean, it's so bad, Andy. It is so bad that this game will be referred to as the Chaz Green game. 
Like any time. Yeah. We'll be five years from now, and when someone says, you remember the Chaz Green game, we'll all go, oh, God, and roll our eyes. Yep. I'm just saying. Like, that's yeah, how bad of a there's game There's no was. one you can sign right now that can give up three sacks. <laughs> three, like three, four sacks. How about a five but sack dude, guy? Okay, so uh, we've established he was terrible, but I want to ask you, how much blame do you put on Garrett and Linehan and the coaching staff for – either not recognizing it, not adjusting it, or just doing anything to scheme off of it? The adjustments, for sure, fall on their shoulders. Um, going into the game, I, I was not that con- as concerned about it as I should have been because I've seen Chaz play well before. Right. Um, I've seen Chaz fill in for Tyron Smith and play well before. Um, but, man, the fact that, like you said, they just let him go out there and get beat over and over and over again and kind of just hoped it would stop, I guess. They just kind of hoped that Chaz Green would start playing better, which, I mean, especially in the NFL, man, once a guy on the opposing team knows he has this dude's number, it's over. Like, after sack number three, I mean, this is the same as when, do you remember the game where Jay Cutler threw like four picks? This is all to the end of the hall. Yeah, to D'Angelo Hall. And D'Angelo Hall was like, dude, even in high school, no one would keep throwing at me after two or after three picks. Certainly. That's what happened here. They were like, there's no way they're going to keep singling up Adrian. So we'll just keep throwing it at him until they fix it. And they just never did. They just said, literally, the Cowboys looked at a guy who had, at that point, five sacks in the game and said, I dare you to do that again. And they just did. So that's insane. Um, you know, losing Sean Lee, that really hurt us. Losing Tyron is obviously the, the nail in the I coffin. Wanna, there. I want to go one thing, and this is my, my take on, on coaching in general. And these are the games that really make you evaluate Garrett and company. I've always been a little on the fence on Garrett. I don't blame him for this. I'm not one of those people who says he needs to be fired right away, anything like that. We do a poor job of – game adjustments um, a lot, and I think a lot of times that's a little overblown in losses. I don't think it is in this one. I think we all saw what the issue was, like you said, and we just decided to (laughs) not fix it. But uh, I also think Marinelli, who gets a lot, a lot of praise from Cowboy fans, and rightfully so for a lot, needs to be blamed for the fact that this defense goes to shit every single time Sean Lee leaves the field. Like, it's not yep. – we can lose to Marcus Lawrence. We can lose a corner or a safety and, and generally be okay. But if Sean Lee leaves that field, God forbid we make any sort of adjustment or or do anything to get any effort out of, a, I guess, another linebacker that could do something to fix our problem. And Sean's a great no, player. He- you can't replace great players, but I just – I'm at my end with this defense and this coordinator needs some blame that Sean Lee basically covers up every fall we have. Well, and I I get really tired. I think that the strength of Jason Garrett is that he's a very good motivator and he makes these guys believe that they can do it and he weathers some really incredible media storms really well. I think he handled the Tony Dak situation really well. I think he has handled the Zeke situation really well. He handles Um, Jerry very, very well. Exactly. But I am beyond tired of the whole next man up philosophy that 
well, if a guy goes down, the next guy has to step up and do the same job. That's just not realistic when we have players as good as we do. If you have Tyron Smith and he goes down, the idea that you're going to ask this other guy to go in and play the same exact way and you're going to be able to do the exact, exact same things that, when you, that you do when you have an all-pro, perennial all-pro, maybe the best at the position in the league at left tackle is madness. And then when you are proven wrong objectively by what you're seeing on the field to just insist that you're not wrong is maddening. And I think you're right, man. I don't I don't know. Um yeah, the next man up philosophies around the league. I think it's a lot of coach speak, but I do think coaches adjust differently, but it was clear in Jason's post-game presser, I don't know if it was immediately after the game or the one he did on Monday when he met with the media, but I heard him say something about, uh, well, you know, when Tyrone's in the game, you know, it's just something, you know, we don't really have to prepare a lot for on, on you know, coaching guys on, you know, what to do over there, say chipping, um, you know, the left end. So he basically what you're saying is he just really didn't think it would be a problem. Like yeah. you said, you just kind of plug in the next guy and don't worry about it. And uh, that's that's alarming to me when I hear a statement like that. Agreed. Um, and, you know, from a, from a stat standpoint, you know, Alfred Morris averaged five yards a carry. Rod Smith got 4.7 yards a carry. The Cowboys had 21 rushers for 107 yards and a touchdown. You know, Dak went 20 of 30, except for the – Eight sacks the guy took. This wasn't. It wasn't like he went out there and blew the game. No, I do sacks, not, think that, I do not think that Tom Brady can win you a game where he gets sacked eight times. I do not think that Aaron Rodgers can win you a game where he gets sacked eight times. I just don't think it it happens. And I'm sure that someone can point to like, oh no, this one time. Um, so-and-so got sacked 36 and a half times in a game and won. Cool. 90% of the time, when you have a guy getting blown up on his blind side, I mean absolutely obliterated from behind with no warning, and, no, and the coaches don't do anything to help him, I don't think you're going to see many wins that way. And for a team that's about to go play what is pretty much at this point in the year the best team in the league. I mean, if I have to watch Chaz Green go one-on-one with Fletcher Cox all night and he doesn't get any help, Dak might be dead at the end of this game on Sunday. Yeah, agreed. That uh, heavy set I was talking about, by the way, we ran, I think, uh, six snaps out of it, all rushing plays for 51 total yards. Um I hope we implement more of that. We're going to have to do something. We can still run. We certainly miss Tyrone, I think, a lot more than we miss Zeke. Um, And we certainly miss Sean Lee more than we miss anybody else. um, Because shout out, Dan, we do miss Dan Bailey. Because Mike Nugent folded like a fucking lawn chair out there under pressure when it was needed. He was pretty damn good at hitting field goals when everyone was just like, oh, you know, like whatever. We can win. That's fine. Good job, Mike. But man, we saw the we saw the Mike Nugent of the Bengals cut on Sunday. That's what we saw. And you know, go when you're out of football for about half a season, there's usually a reason why. 
especially yeah. at a position as fickle as kicker. Um, you know, he's still six of eight on the season. His numbers don't look bad in a vacuum. But like we said, he's just not he's just not Dan Bailey. And I think when you're coaches, it just causes you a little more pause. You just do things a little differently than you would normally, and that affects the game. So agreed. I don't know. You got any more final takes on this one, Goat? No, I mean, I want to bury this game and never talk about it again. I hope <laughs> it was an anomaly. I hope we adjust. Um, unfortunately, um, it's not going to be a totally different story this next week. We're, we're still – looks like we're probably going to be missing Tyron. Looks like we're probably going to be missing Sean Lee more than likely. Um, and Dan, Dan Bailey's back. Yep. Zeke is suspended. The same team that got obliterated by this very mediocre Falcons team. Um, that was one and two at home, by the way, coming into Sunday. Um, Hadn't scored 20 in five straight games. Correct. Put 27 on us. So now the three games that we've been without Sean Lee from start to finish, uh, or at least he may have left early in the Rams, where we gave up 35 to the Rams, Yep. 35 to the Packers, and now 27 to the Falcons. And we're going to have to go up against a team that's top five in offense, top five in defense. They've got – Probably coming a, off a bye week. Coming off a bye week. They've got a quarterback who's in the MVP conversation. They've got good receivers. They've got a running back who's probably top 10 at his position conservatively. Um, and they got a defense that will break you. Um, Tony Romo lost his career to the Eagles, effectively. So, um, you know, man, I uh, – I wish I could break it down more than that, but this is the, I'm I'm interested to see what we even see. Um, you know, as far as like matchups and stuff, I don't even know what to expect. Um, I'm so disheartened by what we saw on Sunday. I half expect us to come out and just get blown off the field, and for the Eagles to put up like 42 points, and for us to put up like nine on three of three of five field goals from Mr. Nugent. So yeah, we've. I don't know. I don't know. This team does seem to respond better, but you know, Philly's so good that Philly could beat us even if we're playing well. You know, they could beat us with Tyrone, Zeke, and Dan and Sean all healthy. Yep. But uh, yeah, let's. Um, hey, we had to, we had to, we took, it took overtime to beat this team last year when they weren't that good, and we had everybody and we were rolling. So we shall see. We shall see. Given that, Ben. You know, kind of a kind of a depressing subject, but you know, it's the Cowboys, so people will always say, "What are their playoff chances?" Um, Football Power Index has this team at having a six percent chance of winning this division, a twenty three percent chance of making the playoffs, and a less than one percent chance of going to the Super Bowl, with a projected record of nine and seven. Do you yeah. think that? Any of those are inaccurate, and why? No, it's pretty accurate, and let me tell you why when you look at this layout. So in the NFC, there are currently 10 teams above 500, including Dallas Cowboys. Now, tiebreakers will change as the season goes on, but as of right now, with tiebreakers, we are 10th of those 10 teams. In the playoffs, you have Philly already at eight and one. Then you have Minnesota, New Orleans, and Los Angeles all at seven and two, all winning their divisions. 
I'm not going to say all of those are wrapped because Carolina, who's going to be fighting for a wild card right there with you, is 7-3. and three. They've won four in a row. They just walked Miami to anyone who watched that my, uh, Monday night football game last night. And their team, uh, like Dallas, you know, had a really good year like we did in – we had 2014, they had a bad year. Then in 2015, they went to the Super Bowl. And then in 2016, for really no reason at all, they had a really down year. And now 2017, they look damn good again. Go. So they're sitting at the five seed at seven and three. Then you have the Seahawks at six and three, who are fighting the Rams for um, supremacy in the NFC West. And they just lost Richard Sherman. Um, Earl Thomas is banged up. They have no running game really whatsoever. They're probably, to me, Andy, the most flawed team currently in the playoffs. And we will get a shot at them um, later in this season. But those are your so those are your top six. And then you move to four teams at five and four. Atlanta, Detroit, Green Bay, and Dallas. Atlanta and Green Bay now have the head-to-head tiebreaker over you. So if you tie one of these teams, you will lose out. Detroit, we won't see, but they're five and four and they're not. Terrible, Andy. They're probably about the same level as Dallas, to be honest. Agreed. Agreed. And then you have Dallas. So when I look at that layout, I can't tell you those numbers you read off to me don't make sense or that there's really no um, way to debate the I fact say, that I think this one is, of them a, is inaccurate. Battle. Sure. I think one of them is inaccurate. And I think that's wins. I think at this point, if something does not change, if we do not see a spark against Philly, and if these injuries don't clear themselves up, I think nine and seven is the ceiling of this team. Yeah, I was going to give I mean, you, you projections. Look at the rest so. of the schedule. I'm having trouble seeing four games that they win. Maybe well, LA. I, maybe I, New I York. gave you. I gave you all those teams with winning records. Um, at this point, it's. Very conceivable to say that you're going to have to be at least a 10 and 6 team to make the playoffs this year. You're not going to squeak in a wild card at 9 and 7 or win your division at 9 and 7 unless Philly just completely falls apart. Um, that would probably require major injuries at this point. So you're going to have to go 10 and 6, which means 5 and 2 the rest of the way. You're not going to have Zeke for three of those games at minimum, probably for five of those games. You're not going to have Sean Lee for minimum two of those games, and you're not going to have Tyrone for at least likely next game. So that is asking basically for us to play above our talent for a few games. Am I, am I wrong about any of that? No, and I think that what you're really looking at is we will probably lose to Philly. And then we will have to hope that we have enough to beat a mediocre Chargers team. And then most likely, once we get Tyron back, once we get Sean back, you're looking at a run-the-table situation. Yes, This has all the hallmarks of 2015 when Tony Romo was hurt. (laughs) All that you heard Cowboys fans saying was, all right, all we got to do is go 500 until Tony comes back. And okay, okay, okay. Table. We'll, go, we'll go three and five with Tony out. Okay, okay. Just if we can win two games with Tony out. Okay, okay. And once Tony's back, we win eight straight and we make the, we make the playoffs. Like, those things are very rare. 
Eight-game winning streaks, five-game winning streaks, those are rare when you're healthy, much yeah. less when you're banged up and missing probably the best off- all-around offensive weapon in the league. Yeah, I'll give you my only ray of sunshine. Is Green Bay's 5-4. and four. That's a lot of fool's gold. Um, they did win this weekend against a bad Chicago team without Rodgers. I think they're out of it, so I think you can get in front of them. Detroit, man, uh, that's just a cursed franchise, but I can't really say anything about the way I've seen them play on the field. I haven't watched them too close, Goat. Um, and Atlanta, to me, will either turn it on or fall off. I mean, there's there's not many teams I can say we'll pass in front of, but there's some extremely flawed teams in front of us. Yeah. And what's really hurting us right now, Andy, is the NFC is 24-14 and 14 against the AFC this year. Oof. which is why you're seeing so many NFC teams with big records. Yep. And that's a trend that's going to, in the end, I think, bite us in the ass. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say that this game against the Eagles is a must-win, but I think more than anything, we're going to have to see some signs of life from this team. Um, you know, we can lose this game. I think most people will expect us to lose this game. But if this is a blowout in the same flavor as Denver or this Atlanta game, I think you're looking at this season being a loss. Um, at 5-5, five and five, I don't know if there's a way this team makes the playoffs, especially with the schedule that it's got in front of it. Um, I agree. You know, I will you, say we play, we play Philly on Sunday night. We're undefeated in night games this year, to give you a little okay. bit. And right, Dak, I like it. And Dak has only ever lost one Sunday night football game, and it was his first start ever against the G-Men week one last year. So, so if, you take that the, you if you lose to the Eagles, you got to beat the Chargers. Can they beat the Skins without Zeke? Remains to be seen. The Giants, game. The Giants are truly terrible. Awesome. So I'm hoping we can beat them. And then the, down the stretch, man, you got teams very similar to what the Falcons were, underperforming but have the personnel to beat you and the pedigree. The Raiders have been atrocious, but could Derek Carr, Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, and Khalil Mack ruin your day? Absolutely. The Seahawks, obviously, are just capable of of beating people. They just have that in them, and they just lost to the Redskins, so that gives me some hope. Um and then week 16, you know, it would be a pretty, I'm not going to say hilarious, but slightly comical repeat of history if we needed a one win to make it into the playoffs and it was week 16 at the Eagles. You and I have seen that movie before, Ben. Yeah, it's not it pretty. It usually turn out well for us. And it's documented in a, in a movie um, Silver Linings playbook that actually happens to our team. Um, yeah, it doesn't look good, Andy. I don't. Uh, I don't think we're out of it. You know, there's a lot of flawed teams, but like I said, for Cowboy fans, what you're rooting for out there. Anytime now you see an AFC team playing an NFC team, root for the AFC. Anytime you see, really, you want Green Bay, Detroit, and Atlanta to lose. Um, especially Green Bay and Atlanta because they have tiebreakers over you. So you need them to fall off. And if that happens, you can squeak into the sixth seed. And that's really the best 
optimism I can spin on and go. And we and we've got to hope that the the Eagles drop some. You know, let's hope that the Rams continue their winning ways against the Eagles. Yeah, but are we catching the Philly for the one? I mean, I'm not even talking about one seed. I'm just saying for the division now. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think you have to look at wild card over division. It's not inconceivable. I mean, what, they're three games up on us? I, I guess assuming yeah, seven to go. if we beat them twice, you would only need them to lose one more time to win the division. The, um, the hard part is that they have they have some real cupcakes. They have the Bears. Yeah. They have the Giants. They've got us twice who look pretty goddamn wounded. Um, So, man, it's a uh, – We've got a, we've got a, a, we're in a dark, dark tunnel, and there is a pinprick of light at the very end of it. But man, it's fading fast. So we've got a, we've got a, uh, an interesting game coming up. Do you have a prediction for Eagles Cowboys? Uh, so Philly, a team we know well. We've kind of laid it out week in, week out, and I hate ourselves for it. They're playing extremely good football. They're coming off a bye week. Man, we're going we're going on the road, are we? Or are they coming here? They're not that it here. matters. We're not okay, we're not great at home anyway. We're um what are we, two and two at home this year? I'd rather play so, here than Blink, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. So Sunday night football. My last little bit of optimism I'm gonna keep with this team is that we I want to say we win, go, but without Sean Lee, I get real yeah, nervous. Yeah. I'll say this: every the last couple games, when we've predicted we'll lose, we win, and we predict we win, we lose. So I'm like saying that. we lose this game. I'm saying that the, the Eagles just have too much on both sides of the ball. Dak plays a good game; it's just not enough. We lose this game, seventeen thirty-one. Carson Wentz does his thing. Jay Ajayi puts does his thing. Since we have no Sean Lee, um, that's that's my prediction. Yeah, I'm gonna go 34 20. I don't think there's any chance we hold them under 30 points without Sean Lee. To be honest, um, you know, maybe Demarcus Lawrence has a six sack game. Maybe they maybe Lane Johnson gets hurt and they put in. You know, maybe Brian Switzer returns three punts for touchdowns. You just don't know. <laughs> I'll say this on the air. If Ryan Switzer returns three punts for touchdowns, I will buy his jersey. And I will wear it every game for the rest of the season. Uh, you can hold me to that. All right. I will put money in Ryan Switzer's pocket if this man returns three punts. No. If Ryan Switzer returns <laughs> one, one for a touchdown, I'll, I'll make it easy on him. Three is a little ridiculous. That's... I don't know if anyone's ever done that. I'd have to look that up. But if this dude returns one punt or kick for a touchdown, I will wear. I will buy a Ryan Switzer jersey, and I will okay. post a picture on the official Boys Will Be Boys Twitter, which everyone should follow at bwbb with underscores between the letters. I will post it on the Twitter for all to see, so no one knows. Everyone knows I'm not full of shit. All right, we uh, we we all heard it here. We will hold you to that. I'm praying it happens. Um, I'm hoping for a win. There's been worse Cowboy teams that have beat better Philly teams and worse Philly teams that have beat better Cowboy teams. So, Very true. 
We will see. Um, huh. Anything else, Goat? I, I think that about covers it. Man, it's weeks like this that make it make it tough, my man. It's rough. So, um, so guys, that is all for this week of Boys Will Be Boys. Um, you know, keep the faith, people. Who knows? Who really knows? Um, as usual, like, subscribe, comment on the podcast. We love hearing from you guys. Follow us on Twitter for the latest. Uh, you'll either see some really good, like, insightful cowboy news or just, like, me getting really angry and posting insults about our coaching staff. It's all very entertaining. We also got some pretty spicy memes. Um, so, yeah, guys, we'll be back next week after the Eagles game. Um, it'll either be uh, – I think – We've, we've kind of arrived at the depths of depression, so this will be either like kind of a liberation, like acceptance next week kind of really like, get blown out. Or like fake depression where, I, where I'm pretending that I don't have hope, but really deep inside I'm still like, like oh, yeah, me too. we're going to win. I haven't However, been deep down yet, so wait till next oh, week. And You know what's going to suck is if we do win this game, we're going to believe again, and that will make the inevitable crash all the worse. So If we beat Philly and lose to the Chargers, I'll – Uh, so there you have it ladies and gents thank you so much as always i'm andy gatelli benjamin walker signing off for boys will be boys take it easy peace